pastor's uh, out of town tonight. He left this morning to go visit some family. Forgot to mention that earlier, so if you're wondering where he's at, everything's all right. He's headed to Missouri for a few days, and he'll be back on Sunday. So you don't have to skip out on Sunday based on tonight, amen? <laughs> he'll be back. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, and it's good to be with you tonight. Had a good week so far, enjoying some pretty weather after that whole week of rain. Things can be, think about drying out, and I don't think they've started yet, but it's thinking about drying out. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, if you would, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Stand with us for the reading of the word tonight. Read two verses of scripture there, verses 11 and 12, out of Ephesians chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want to take the thought tonight out of verse number 12. It says, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Tonight I will come to talk to you for just a moment on this thought. You are called. You are called. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day, this opportunity again as we come tonight to hear your word as we come to the time in this service, God, where we break the bread of life. I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd speak your truth, God, that you'd anoint me to say all, only that which you'd have me to say. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd take control of my tongue, my body, my life. God, that you may flow through this temple tonight, that you may flow out, that you would say something to prick a heart. God, to stir something up in this body of believers tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd have your will, your way, for your glory and honor. We ask in Jesus' name. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight on this thought. You are called. Now, I know that we place much emphasis in church today on being called into the ministry. It's a great honor as a Christian believer to feel the Spirit of God tug on your heart and impress upon you the call to ministry. I remember feeling that very same call as a 17-year-old young boy. At the time, I had no idea what it would entail or really what it would mean for me. All I knew is that the Spirit of God tugged on my heart that night and called me into the ministry. I can say tonight that the, the, that the call God placed on my life all those years ago completely changed the trajectory of my life. Little did I know at 17 that just a short while later, that following year, God would lead me to the mission field and ultimately here to Beaumont. I wasn't as privileged as some are today or some that I've met along the way, I guess, that the Lord placed a call in their heart. Uh, he, he placed a call in my heart. There was no specifics. Some people today, you know, they're called to 
They're called to preach, or they're called to pastor, or they're called to missions, and they're called to this, and they're called to this specific thing and that specific thing. I've even heard some say, I can't fulfill that need in the church because I'm not called to that. I'm not called to that place. I, I know you really need help, pastor, but I'm not called there. I know you need help, sister, but I'm just not called to do that. See, I'm called to this. I'm being facetious tonight, but I know, I'm sure you've met some of those along the way. See, I believe that the Bible teaches us that the Lord calls some out for a specific purpose. As pastors, leaders, missionaries, evangelists, etc., as the verse says, but that purpose may grow and evolve over time into something greater. You don't start off, you don't, and not everybody starts off into the ministry as a pastor. Not everybody starts off as an evangelist. They, 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 they're called into the ministry, and God can evolve as that person begins to grow and, and excel in, in, in Christ individually. There's a common misconception that ministry is only to be done by those listed in verse 11. The common misconception is, is that ministry is only done by evangelists, pastors, missionaries, teachers, and so on. The modern church today thinks that the pastor, the youth pastor, the worship leader, the church staff are the only ones responsible for doing ministry. We think that if we pay the pastor a good enough salary that he can handle all of our ministry for us as a church. I mean, that's what, that's what the church in America today believes. The pastor handles all the missionary, I mean, all the, all the ministry. We just throw them some money, we throw them some salary, we come on Sunday, we worship, we lift our hands. If we're good, we'll even come back Wednesday night and Sunday night, and, and he's going to handle all the ministry. We just pay our tithe, we support, we support his, his vision, but we don't have to do anything else, right? I'm not saying that, that, that we have that problem here. But you, you get the point. I mean, that's, that's the idea of church today. The pastor is responsible for all the ministry. But uh, we want to quote the first part of verse 12. I've heard it preached before, not saying by any means that it was preached wrong. But we often, when we think of this uh, text in Scripture, we often think for the perfecting of the saints. That God gave us pastors and evangelists and teachers and leaders for the perfecting of the saints. But the verse 12, it goes on to say, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So what does that mean here tonight? That means that God gave us pastors, missionaries, evangelists, teachers, prophets, all those things to work, to edify the body, to strengthen. For what? For what purpose? For ministry. Is this all right tonight? We slow down just a little bit. The pastor's to lead the body as he's led by the Spirit, but he can't, nor was it God's plan for him to do all the ministering. The shepherds to train and to equip saints for ministry. The church staff can't do it all on their own. We have to come to the realization that we're all ministers of God Almighty. You may never feel that God's called you to be a pastor or to be a missionary or even to preach. But don't be, don't be deceived tonight or don't, don't, don't think to yourself that you're not called because you're called to be a minister. You're called to work in the ministry. One commentator said it like this. 
Paul indicates here that one of the foremost purposes for which Christ gives gifted leaders to the church is for them to train, equip, prepare the whole body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. The model where professional ministers do most of the ministry is not the New Testament model. Every member in the body of Christ is to be trained and released for ministry in some sphere so that multiplication, edification, and growth may occur in the church according to the New Testament pattern. Pastor doesn't get up here week after week. The lay ministers of the church, we don't get up here at the times that we come and to preach and things only to, that, that we only do the ministry. But pastor, every week, these biblical foundation, I believe we're on Sermon 29, I think. You know, that's, that's 29 weeks of teaching. Why? Because he's working on us. He's strengthening us. He's preparing us. But we have to realize what we're being prepared for. Ultimately, to make it to heaven, yes. But that's not the only purpose that, that you're being trained and equipped for, right? You're trying to take people with you, Amen. Amen. We have a work to do. We, we have something. There's a purpose in this. Ministry in the New Testament has changed from that of the old, where the old priest did all the work. The priest in the Old Testament, he, he got the temple ready. He sacrificed. He, he, burnt, the, he, he, he burnt the sacrifice. He, he prepared the altar. He went into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people. And all the people gather around and wait for the priest to come out and tell them that God has atoned their sins for another year. That's not the New Testament model. We don't have the, the, the priest doesn't do, the pastor doesn't do all the work today. In the Old Testament, the temple was where God came down with his spirit on earth. That's where the Shekinah glory met earth. And the Old Testament was in the temple. But the New Testament, Christ died, he rose again, and on the day of Pentecost, you and I became the temple where the Holy of Holies dwells on this earth. You and I became the dwelling place of God Almighty. You and I became the place where the Shekinah glory can come down and touch the earth. We're all ministers. If you want the church to grow, you want new life to come in, ask yourself, am I fulfilling my place in ministry? Am I fulfilling the place God's called me to be? I saw one commentator said that he's like a quarry. He, you know, the pastor's like a quarry. He's fitting these stones together in places of ministry where they fit and they work together. You know, we have a shepherd, we have a leader, but he's to train and to equip and to position, help, help to position you in the place where you could thrive in ministry. He's not to do all the work. He's to help you. It's just like a child or a grandkid, a kid. You know, you, you can't go and do all the things that they're going to do in life. No, but you train them up and you teach them and you set them up for success. But they have to do their part. We, we as a church have to do our part. We have to ask ourselves, am I fulfilling my place in the ministry? Am I doing what God would have me to do? Another thought for you is, are you a consumer or a contributor? I want you to really think about this. This is, this is a question I ask myself. 
you know, as, as I began to read and, and, and God began to show me this and, and through studies and different things and this thought come out and, and I really just began to question, like, am I a consumer or am I a contributor? There are times that we struggle in our walk. There's days that God seems like he's a thousand miles away and we can't shake off the doom and gloom. But as I was reminded Sunday, I was kind of feeling like that. I've been kind of feeling like that a little bit. I'm just going to be real with you tonight, just share just a little bit. I mean, we're all human in this room tonight. We're flesh and blood. But I was, I was praying over there Sunday. I believe the Spirit of God whispered to me, take captive every thought. You know, I've preached on that before. I've preached on that in here. I've talked to the youth about it. I've testified about how God, you know, last year and, and things, uh, one of the main things was take captive every thought. But, you know, I'm still human. God has to remind me sometimes. Amen? It's just like our kids. We've got to remind them every now and then, hey, we, we told you don't do this, or we told you to do this. You need a little encouraging. God still has to remind me, take captive every thought. Don't let your circumstance change your position in God. Don't let your feelings make you think that he's left you, that he's stepped away for a moment or placed you on hold. He's the God of heaven. He's not on the other line. He's not taking another call. He's right there by your side. Even when you can't feel him, you can't see him working, you don't see what good this is, you don't see why things are happening the way they are, he's still right there. And I believe that he's working it for our good. I believe it. Even when I can't feel him, I don't see him. And despite of my shortcomings, despite of what I see, God's still there. I saw something going around social media last month that said that God, when God called you, he already factored in your stupidity. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He's already factored that part in. He's already factored that in. But as I, a Sunday, God, God had you know, whispered that to me or take captive every thought. And it's just kind of like, I knew it, but I just needed a, a reminder. Because, see, I, I've been battling. I've been struggling. You know, I told my wife <coughs> the other day, it says, I, I, I just wish I didn't have to figure everything out for everybody. Amen. Anybody ever feel that way? That everybody's coming to you with their problems and you got to figure it all out and you're still trying to figure your problems out? <laughs> Come on. I'm being a little dramatic, but, but I know you've been there. I mean, we're all human. We're flesh here. But sometimes you just feel like everyone that comes to talk to you is looking for an answer. And you're just trying to make it through the day. But I found my wondering, my mind wondering, can't focus You know, you can't focus. My mind seems to be 100 miles away. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, when I say take captive every thought, it's not always sin. It's not always temptation. Sometimes it's just the mundane day after day of life. You're thinking about tomorrow. You're thinking about your next thing on your to-do list. You're trying to figure out that next project. You're trying to figure out that next job. You're trying to figure out that next solution. That, that you you got to get past that next hurdle, that next step. You know, and, and, and I have to take captive those thoughts because it's a struggle. 
And it's in those times that I'm being a consumer. That I come into church and I don't take captive every thought and I don't take captive those thoughts and I don't get control of my mind and I don't say, you know what, devil, you know what, work, everything else, I'm going to take captive of you today because I've come in here to enter in, to worship God and to help somebody today. Simple truth, but it's not always easy. It's not easy. I'm not here saying it's easy. But we must take captive our minds. Paul says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What is that? What's the emphasis? I've said it before. The emphasis is let. It's something that it takes action on our part. We have to let it. But in order for us to let it, we've got to take captive the thoughts that are there, right? We have to put the Word of God in its place. We have to, we have to feast on the Word of God, know the Word of God. So that those, How can we know Christ's mind if we don't know His Word? How can we know Christ if we don't know His Word? How can we know what He would do if we don't know His Word? I saw something the other day. Somebody had the, their cover photo. You know, they're, 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 they're on Facebook, whatever. I don't know who it is. They're, they're arguing with somebody in, on a local page. And you, you click on it and their, their photo says, I may not know the Bible, but I know God. I'm sorry, but you can't know God if you don't know the Bible. If you don't know the Word of God, you don't know God. You, you can't. And if you're a newborn again believer, you may not know the Bible, you may have come to know God, you had an experience, but you want to know God, and you're going to dig into that Word, right? But to profess, I, may, I know God, but I may not know the Bible, that's an oxymoron. But we've got to let his mind be in us. We've got to get a hold of this reality, because when we don't, we're consumers. And if we come into this place week after week after week, and all we do is consume from the ministry, we consume from the pulpit, we consume from the body, we're always taking, but we're never giving. We're always coming, we're, we're doom and gloom, we come in, we've, we've beaten down from the week, we're, we're dragging our, we're tucking our tails between our legs, we're like, man, if a pre I just need the preacher to preach me something encouraging today, I need to get in the altars, I know there's days like that, there's days like that for me, there's days like that for you, but we have to come to the realization that we're not always consuming, we've got to come to the place one day that we can come to give. That we can come to a place where we say, I don't need the pastor to get me into the glory, the holy of holies today. I'm already there, and I want to help somebody else get there too. I want to help somebody else. We have to learn to be a contributor. If I allow myself to stay there, not only am I slowly dying, but I'm hindering the work of the ministry. Each and every one of us must realize that we as Christians are called to minister. We're called to work together as the body to give the life of Christ. Freely you've received, freely you give. We must be givers of life. If we come week after week only consuming, never coming to a place of contributing, then we are hindering the gospel. God didn't call us to be consumers. He called us to be disciples, to be ministers. It's been said before that 10% of a congregation can take up 95% of the pastor's time. Why is that so? Because they're only consumers. They're not contributors. 
They've, come, they've never come to the place where they can be used of God. They've never come to the place where they can overcome and they can walk worthy of the vocation. They've never come to the place where they let this mind be in them. They never come to the place where they filled with the Holy Ghost and they realize that they possess life. They never come into the reality. They're only consumers. A great preacher once said, I don't mind bottle feeding Christians. I just hate to have to take their false teeth out to do it. We have to come to a place where we can grow in the knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. We've got to grow, folks. That baby back there is on formula now, but at some point he's going to have to eat meat. He's going to have to eat real food in order to grow. He's eventually going to have to grow. He's going to have to change his diet. The Bible says desire the sincere milk in the milk of the word. Grow in Christ. We must realize that we're co-laborers. We're more than just volunteers. We're, we're disciples. We're in this together. We're not just here saying, Pastor, whatever you need, I'm here to volunteer. I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. No, we're, we're co-laborers with him. We're co-laborers with the ministry. We see something, do it. You don't always have to wait to be asked. You don't have to wait. And I'm not just talking about work, folks. I'm talking about greeting that, greeting that newcomer, greeting that family that comes in, or, or, or praying with somebody when they come up to the altar. When they come in here for prayer, gather around them. You don't have to be, wait to be called up to the front to lay your hands on somebody. Be led of the Spirit. What's the key to all this is being filled with the Spirit of God. Being, speared with, being filled with the Spirit of life. One pastor puts it like this. It says, people who are consumers come to church and they may, they may participate in many activities, but they are cisterns that continually have to be filled. They are not springs of water that are a constant source of nourishment for others. What turns a consumer into a contributor and turns a cistern into a fresh spring? The answer is the gospel of grace. When people are thrilled that the God of the universe loves them so much that he sent his son to die in their place, they realize he is their greatest treasure and they are his greatest treasure. They realize that he is their greatest treasure and they realize that that. They, you and I, are His greatest treasure. A deep, compelling grasp of God's magnificent grace is not just an entry point to the Christian life. It is the source of our deepest contentment and our highest motivation for everything we do each day. The grace of God humbles us because we realize our sins required the God of glory to pay the ultimate price for us. It raises us to the stars because He loves us so much that he was glad to do it. This realization changes everything. When we realize that Christ laid down his life for us so that we could have life, that we could have a glorious life, a wonderful life, we want to share it with those around us. The Bible talks about be filled. Now I ran out of time <coughs> putting this together. I kind of feel like I'm I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger here, but I'm going to try to wrap it up the best I can. There may be more to come on this. But, but the Bible says to be filled. We have to be filled with what? The spirit and the life of Christ. As I said earlier, that, 
In the Old Testament, the temple was the dwelling place of God, but on the day of Pentecost, you and I became that dwelling place. Jesus said, I'll give you the, the drink of living water that you'll never thirst again, that this living water can flow through you. And tonight, we've got to come from the place where we're not, we've got to ask ourselves, service after service, I want to be a contributor. I want this living water to flow out of my innermost being. I want the life of God to flow. When people walk in, I want to share the, I want to share the love of God. What changes, folks? The gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what changes. When they see somebody on fire, they see a life that's flowing with the joy of the Lord. They want to buy into that. They want a part of that. Our, our, we, we've, we've got to realize that we're, we're supposed to be disciples. The Bible talks about to go and make disciples in every city, every nation. Are we disciples tonight? Are, is, is, are we being made disciples? Are we growing in Christ? Are we saying, God, what do you want us to do? What, what, what will you have for us? How can I represent you on that job? How can I represent you in that school? How can I represent you in the body of Christ? Even here in church, how can I represent you here? Because there's a place that only you can fulfill in this body. There's people out there outside of these doors that only you can reach. There's family that only you can talk to. And we have to come and we have to ask ourselves, what, can I, what is my place in the ministry? What can I do to be a disciple, to, to fulfill this scripture? What can I take that, that's being taught? How can I work and train and, and be equipped for the ministry? God may never call you to preach. God may never call you to a capacity, so to say, in the ministry. But now, don't, don't, don't be mistaken. You are called to the ministry. There is a place for you. And there's people for you to reach. There's a life for you to live. There's a life for you to give. And there's people out there in this world for you to touch. God didn't save us just to take up space on a church pew. He filled us with this river of life that we may give it to the lost and dying world. We're called to be disciples. Many people today are simply converts, but God wants disciples. You know, we can convert anybody. We, we can teach a dog to bow his head before he eats. We can teach, you know, an animal to raise its hands, a monkey to raise its hands. And we can teach all these things. But we really want to get a hold of somebody. We want to get a hold of a life. We want to touch a heart. We want to change a life. Amen? And we have to possess that life so that we could give it to a lost and dying world. If you would stand with me tonight, musicians, as you'd come. You know, my wife, I didn't talk to her about anything, but as we began to worship tonight, just each and every song begin to talk. You know, we're on the battlefield. We're working for God. When we see that when we get to heaven, we see the souls that we help to win. They went on to sing that so many lives depend on what I do. There's, there's, there's a work for us to do, church. There's, there's somebody for us to reach. We're not just here to, to receive. We're not just here 
You know, uh, another thing about a consumer is they're selfish. They hear, what, what, what can I get out of the church this week? What can I, what can, I need a blessing. I need a word from the Lord. They never come to give a word, they come to receive a word. I come, I come to receive, I, I need a touch, I need this, I need that. But a disciple and a contributor, they're not selfish. And if we're going to reach a world for God, we can't be selfish either. We've got to shift the point of, of what's in it for me, and we've got to take the thought of, uh, and, and the concern of others. Amen? There's a spot, there's something that needs to be filled, fill it. If there's a hand that needs to be shook, shake it. If there's a door that needs to be opened, open it. If there's somebody in these altars that needs to be prayed with, pray with them. Your ministers, you have, a, you have a life inside of you. If you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, God's placed something inside of you, and it'd be a shame for you to hold it all to yourself. Amen? Amen. You want to see this place grow? You want to see it explode? Come here week after week. What can I do to contribute to this body of Christ? What can I do to reach the lost and dying world? What can I do to, to edify, to help edify the saints? What can I do to, to help raise somebody up? What can I do to encourage somebody today? Amen. Father, we thank you for this time together. God, we just ask you that you'd move in these altars. God, I ask you to have your way here tonight. God, that you would touch, that you'd minister, that you'd move. Lord, help us as we come here to pray tonight, God. Make it a reality in our hearts, Lord, that we be contributors, God, not only not, not here just to consume the energy and the efforts of the ministry, but that we contribute to the ministry, God, that we become co-laborers, that we can become co-workers in Christ. God, I ask you, Lord, to help us tonight. Find you a place to pray. These altars are open. Love you tonight.